Well, good morning. I am not Shlomo. I am Vincent Hoppy. I'm the, the pastor of Grace and Peace Church, and um, we're, we're happy that you're here. We're, we're, we're delighted. Uh, and so one of the most important things that we do, one of our values is the gospel, the good news, the central teachings, the message of Jesus Christ is one of them is probably the most important thing that we ever do, and we teach that. But this week, I decided to wreck myself emotionally. I decided to watch a movie about a father and son, and the movie was Beautiful Boy. And in it, it tells a story about Nick Sheff. Nick Sheff, he always kind of he struggled to feel at home with his own skin. He felt deeply about things. He was emotional. But he never felt like he fit in. He even expressed in the movie, and some of the videos I ended up watching about him, he expressed that he loathed and hated himself. He just wanted to get away from himself. He became depressed. And he started getting into alcohol when he was 11. Then after that, he got into pot. And then after pot, he got into heavier drugs, and he was using it to escape himself. He hungered, and he desperately desired to be someone else. He, in one of the videos, he would describe his feelings of loneliness and hatred of himself as a fire. He hungered to get away. And when he said that he took his first, the first time that he tried meth, the thing that he said the rush of dopamine into his brain made him all at once feel, feel like he was someone else and that he was finally comfortable in his own skin. And this is terribly sad. And you watch as this movie as he continues to spiral down, needing more and more to satisfy this hunger that he had. And so... There, the story continues as this fire, this hunger begins to consume him. His father, David Chef, saddened, despondent, looking out the window, always wondering, what is, his son, what is his son doing? Where is his son? He also had a hunger, and that was to save his son. And both of them began to realize that one, so Nick Chef, that drugs could not possibly take away this hunger, but then he at once also felt the possibility of hope, is what he said in one of the, in a YouTube video I watched, that there was possibly something that could satisfy him. And after a drug overdose, he came crying to his father, but at the same time his father realized that his hunger could not be satisfied by him saving his son. It could only happen from something outside of him, something larger, satisfying that hunger, something to give us life. And in the same way, all of us, all humanity has a burning hunger. It is a hunger for true food. It is a hunger to satisfy our deepest cravings. Sometimes that hunger looks like this deep life validation, Sometimes it's the hunger for intimacy to be truly known and truly loved by someone. Sometimes that hunger is for real, true love. 
to be loved and sacrificed for, to know that you are worthwhile. Sometimes that hunger is for a reputation. Sometimes it's for a good job. Sometimes we hunger for well-behaved kids. Sometimes we hunger for romance that'll sweep us off our feet. Sometimes it's a hunger just to pay our bills. Sometimes it's a hunger to move to another place. Sometimes our hungers will end up consuming us if it is in the wrong thing. And see, whatever it is our hunger is, it will color the way we look on the world. Or maybe, as, maybe I should put it this way, the way Bruce Springsteen does, everybody has a hungry heart. Everybody has a hungry heart. And so this story of Jesus feeding 5,000 on this, out on this uh, area uh, east, of the, east of the Sea of Galilee, on a place where there was grass, so it was potentially spring. They're out there listening to Jesus. Jesus is teaching. And suddenly, suddenly, someone, uh, G, there's probably someone who had a rumbling in their stomach, and Jesus prompts the question and asks, Hey, uh... Philip, where are we going to buy food for all these people? And Philip astutely asks, well, 200 denarii couldn't even feed these. Am I supposed to just go into the town? There's no town, Jesus. What are you thinking? And so what Jesus is doing is he is suddenly pointing out that there is a hunger that we all have, that we're hungry. It's, it's eating time. But that hunger is deeper than just the surface hunger that we have. And that what we satisfy it with is not what it ought, what ought to be. So if you think about it this way, Philip automatically thought, we need money to satisfy this hunger. Jesus is saying, oh, you need a lot more than that. And he'll go on to explain that later. And so what the story teaches us is that Jesus is the satisfaction for our deepest hunger. Jesus is the satisfaction for our deepest hunger. He is the de- he's the satisfaction for our hunger individually, and he's also the satisfaction for our hunger of the world, that we have a hunger. So our deep hunger. So Jesus, so, so then he does this two ways. There's two questions we need to ask or two things we need to see. Uh, what is our deep hunger And then also, how is Jesus the abundant provider? Our deep hunger and Jesus the abundant provider. So Jesus demonstrates that hunger. He asks that question. And he he shows them that, oh, you're satisfying it in the wrong way. Verse 2 says this. Verse 2, it says that people were following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. So people had a hunger. They were following Jesus because they saw that he was doing signs. They're like, hey, check this out. This guy's a miracle worker. I wonder what he's going to do for us. But they were following him because they thought he was just useful. You know, Jesus is useful. And then verse 3, it says, uh, there's a, the, the response from Philip. He says, uh, Jesus went up to the mountain. It was the Passover. Um, and and the, he sat down with his disciples. And it says then, uh, after verse 3, that, that uh, Philip uh, asks, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said it to test them. And so Jesus said this to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? So that they may be satisfied is his question. And Philip then goes and says, 200 denarii wouldn't be able to do it. Jesus, what are you thinking? 
And so Philip is thinking on one level, Jesus is talking about another level. And so one, he's talking about this spiritual hunger, this spiritual hunger. And what we want out of this spiritual hunger is that we want life, don't we? We want life. We want something to be the wind in our sails, something to take us along, something to motivate us, something to breathe life into us instead of the mundane, day-to-day sort of life and existence that we have, right? Jesus is starting to point that you have a spiritual hunger that is deep. And notice that it goes from here, seeing that they had very little bread and very little food, to going to saying that there is abundance, and that everyone was fed. And so this is gospel show and tell. It is showing that Jesus, not only does he satisfy on the surface level um, that he can actually bring food, but he, serv- he satisfies on the heart level, this deep spiritual hunger that we have. And I mentioned some of the ways it is we want uh, uh, to, be, to be validated. We want to, to make sure that our life is meaningful in some way. But then on another level, this Jesus also sur- uh, satisfies actual hunger. Notice that these people had actual need for food. And what did Jesus do? He brings about actual food. And so it's real, it's real nice and convenient if we say like, oh, God just brings this, you know, Jesus brings us spiritual hunger. And so what you need is to be spiritual. But Jesus goes a lot further than that. He actually says, no, he brings the actual bread. He brings the actual bread. And he actually feeds people. And so that's part of the reason why God's church and God's people ought to be actively involved in this world. Because he actually heals. He actually brings bread. He actually brings life in the real. And so they had a real hunger. Like they were actually hungry. You know, saliva, you know, you start getting hungry. He actually fed them. And so that's the thing about grace and peace. Not only do we, do we uh, talk about a spiritual hunger, but there's also the actual hunger. And we also believe, though, that the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ meets both of these. The problem of the world is not that we don't have enough or enough education or we don't know enough. The problem is, is that we have a worship problem. We're going to different resources, and so Jesus reveals what we're looking for in provision. Like, where, where do we go? And so automatically, Philip is like, we need money. And then when the food is actually brought to him, Andrew says, I don't know about this. There's only five barley loaves and two fish. This isn't enough. And so we're only seeing a surface level. And Jesus is talking about, like, he's got a lot more than that. And so he shows them that they have particular habits particular ways of dealing with things. And so for Nick Chef, the way that he was going to escape and satisfy that hunger was with drugs. But we're not much different. And I'm not much different. Do you know when I'm anxious? I will sit in my office in the basement of Village 7, and do you know what happens? You know what my habit is? I want flaming hot Cheetos. 
And that's my habit because for a little bit of food, it releases an amount of dopamine in my brain. And do you know what that tells me? Ah, I'm satisfied. I'm comforted. And it gives me a little bit of intimacy even. It makes me feel good. And so you think about this, every young man that I've ever worked with who struggled with pornography or anything like that, uh, the reason why they went to it is because at the time that they were tempted or they wanted to look at that, they felt insecure, they felt lonely, they wanted a hug. And that release of dopamine had been trained in their brain and their habits to go down this direction. And their brain had been tricked. And do you know what the gospel says? And Jesus says, there's a new way of doing things. You're looking for bread to satisfy your hunger in pornography, with food, with money, with having a reputation, and Jesus says, I've come to bring you real life. And I came to bring it for real and what you really need. And so he points out our misplaced hope. And this recalls the story in the desert, of the people in the desert. Um, If you go back to Exodus 19, God had done uh, amazing things. He parted the Red Sea. People walked on dry land. He uh, caused plagues. I mean, I'm talking like, like frogs and flies and livestock dying. They had seen this amazing power of God. And then suddenly, these people are out in the desert and they're like, Hey, yo, Moses, we ain't got any food. And Moses is like, oh no, Lord, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to feed these people? And God, God says, don't worry, Moses, I'm going to make it rain bread. <laughs> like, he literally says he's going to make it rain bread. Of course, every once in a while we're thinking about right now, as soon as it rained bread, you're like, hey, like, little Wayne? Like, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, um, so the hunger of the people, and the, this is what they say. The people are out in the desert. They want their hunger satisfied, and this is what they say. This is how crazy uh, that that they had gotten, okay, and in their misplaced hope. It says, they say this, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. They're saying it would have been better to die in slavery in Egypt than than see the Lord spare their lives, bring them out, and then they say this, when we saw, when we uh, sat when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You see, this story is so interesting. Jesus is out in this wilderness place, and they're hungry. And, and then uh, this time we also see that uh, we go back into Exodus and we see Moses with these people who are hungry and are thinking crazy. Look at this. When we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. Well, of course you got free food. You were a slave. Of course. You know, and so Jesus, what God did was he brought them out of slavery, brought them into the wilderness. And now they're like, oh, obviously now you're going to kill us. He did all these signs and wonders to rescue you. 
He loved you. Is he not going to bring you food that you need? Is he not going to give you the life that you ultimately need? And that's the question that is facing these people. They're out on, the, they're out on this plane, and Jesus says, I'm going to give you real life. I'm the one who brings the real bread. You see, Christianity is this learning to satisfy our hunger where it was meant to be satisfied. Christianity is nothing more than learning to be really human. Christianity is learning to where, where to find bread. Christianity is, as Martin Luther says, that we are, we are just beggars looking for bread and who've received it and telling other beggars where to find it. And so in Christianity, and what we're learning is that we're learning to live life knowing that we're saved by the work of Christ, that he has rescued us from slavery, and that we are continuing to feed on his love. We will continue to feed on his love, that his validation for your life, that his work for your life is what you most need. And that when we feast on also, when we, when we get distracted and we get saddened by the way this world looks, by the poverty around us, Christianity is looking to Jesus knowing that he is going to feed this world, that he's going to make it happen. And so that is how we see our hunger and we need it. Another example of this comes from the purpose that we celebrate in Lent. Lent, traditionally, you give up something in order that you get more of Jesus. This was explained to me really well by my Roman Catholic brother. And I'm like, why do you give up stuff for Lent? And he said this, just straight comeback. I give up stuff because I need more of Jesus. He's like, I give up eating satisfying food so that I know that my deepest satisfaction is met in the person of Jesus Christ. And I go, that's a great answer. That my deepest satisfaction is met. That I have life, the life that I really need in Jesus Christ. That's where it's found. Next, we need to look at his, uh, the abundant provider, that Jesus is the abundant provider. Uh, notice that he takes what is meager and he makes it bountiful. It says that they, when they had taken what they, what they wanted... And they had everything uh, that they that they um, they had eaten their fill, meaning that they were totally satisfied. They'd gotten everything that they wanted, right? So he's the abundant provider. Not only that is that then, as was tradition, they didn't want to leave anything. They went and gathered everything up, and so as they gathered it up, they noticed that there was twelve baskets full. 12 baskets full. And in the story of uh, the, the Bible, God had worked and was working through 12 tribes, this nation of Israel, to bring life to the world, that he was going to reflect his goodness into the world through these 12. And suddenly, we see that Jesus works through these 12. And not only that, it, they, he feed, Jesus is the one who feeds the entire multitude, up to 20,000 probably. And then he also has more than enough, more than enough for those 12. More than enough. Everyone was satisfied. Uh, 
One of the interesting things, and Jesus will go back and allude to this, he will call himself the bread of life later in the chapter. There is in, I'm pretty sure it's Morocco, their word for bread and their word for life is the same word. And notice the focus then is on this bread. They brought back bread. When they had eaten their fill of the bread. And Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He gives life to the world. And so, it's not that he is like Moses. Notice that they say, hey, He is the prophet, and they believe that he was the prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, it talks about that there was a prophet to come after Moses to whom people were to listen. And prophets, what they do, were to uh, say, like, reveal God's saving work. And so Jesus is the revelation of God's saving work amongst the people. And they believed in him as the prophet. And so... And so, let's, let's think, to, think back to this. Jesus, Jesus isn't just the prophet who asks God to, hey, God, you've got to help these people. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus goes to Philip, where are we going to get bread for all these people? And Philip's like, I don't know. And then Jesus says, make them sit down. Give me that boy's lunch. Watch this. And remember, it was the Lord in Exodus 16, who said that he will make it rain bread. And so Jesus does something funny. In the story, he doesn't say, I'm just a prophet. He reveals and shows that he is not just a prophet, but that he is the Lord of bread. He is the one who provides the bread. And not only that, he says that he is the bread. He is the life that they need. That's what he reveals. And so he's different from the, than Moses. He's bigger than Moses. He's greater than Moses. And the focus is on the provider. The synoptics talk about this focus on the 12 where Jesus says, you give them something to eat and then they go and give the people something to eat and he's able to work through them. No, John doesn't want to have anyone mistake this. John works and writes this story so that you focus on who's providing the bread, who's making it rain bread, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the provider of life. He's the one that gives you your life validation. He's the one that makes this world go round. He is the sun to your life. We are all looking for that one person who will make things right in the world. And to, to quote Neil Young, we're all searching for a heart of gold. And you know what, Neil? Jesus Christ is that heart of gold coming to make things right. We can learn a lot from kids. I learn a lot from kids. You want to know why? Because in the middle of the night when they're hungry, they don't go to the ATM. They don't check their bank account. No, no, no. When my daughter is upset and she is hungry, 
She wanders up to daddy or mommy and says, I'm hungry. And in Christianity, the Christianity is the story that we are just little children looking to find bread to satisfy our hunger. And we have got to go to the right place. And Jesus says, I've got bread for you. I've got life for you. Children don't go to the ATM. Children don't go to Instagram. Children don't go to Twitter to satisfy their hunger. They go to their father. Go to their father. Um, I love cycling. I love it a lot. I actually will like follow even the ridiculous races that no one else is following in the world, and I think it's fine. Uh, and one of my favorite cyclists is this guy named Phil Guyman, who uh, what he has done, uh, he was a professional cyclist for 10 years. And then he has uh, done something, and he's created a YouTube show called The Worst Retirement Ever. Why? Because he knew he couldn't make it as a professional cyclist anymore, but he was fit enough to do something else. And there is something called Strava out there. Strava is social media for uh, endurance athletes. And so you could record all your rides and stuff like that. And so what Phil Guyman does is he goes to these like really long bike rides. So uh, to the top of Pike's Peak. And what he does is he rides up it as hard as he can in order that he could take the king of the mountain, right? And so he's got thousands of these on Strava. Why? Because in it, what he wants to do, he has, he is, uh, he, he takes these in order to satisfy something in him. And if you follow him, he always talks about this burning hunger. He couldn't make it as a professional anymore, but boom, there he is on Strava. So he calls himself a Strava professional. He's a great writer. And at the end of his book, Draft Animals, he writes this. I have a big box of medals and jerseys and trophies. I own two houses and I'll have three books on the shelf at Barnes and Nobles pretty soon. But I feel like a failure. Is that my fault? Or is that what chasing a dream does to you? That's what happens when we have a misplaced hunger. You always feel like you are a failure. So the question then, uh, and, and the, the question before Phil Guyman, and that he's still trying to search out, and don't get me wrong, I actually love Phil Guyman, mostly because after his rides, he goes for giant cookies. I mean, <laughs> he eats cookies, and so that's fun. Um, so the question for Phil Guyman is, are you hungry? And the question for all of us is, are we hungry? Are you hungry for intimacy? Feast on Jesus, knowing because he's the one who knows everything about you, and he still dies to make you his. Are you hungry for reputation, to be a somebody? Feast on Jesus, because he was the true somebody who came and died like a nobody, so you could be his somebody. Are you hungry for a new life? Feast on Jesus, who lost his life and rose again, bringing in new life for all. Are you hungry for a comfortable life? Feast on Jesus who lost all comfort and suffered so you can live without any comfort at all and suffer knowing that he will make all things new. Are you hungry to be whole? Feast on Jesus who at the cross was torn apart and in the resurrection 
He makes it all whole again. Jesus is the provider. He's the bread we truly need. And in this meal, we celebrate it by breaking bread, breaking life. And Jesus offers his life to you. And he offers his poured out blood, a symbol of life to you so that you may have life. Because we all hunger and our hunger is truly satisfied in Jesus Christ.